as we've mentioned, uh, the Satipatthana Sutta outlines four ways of establishing mindfulness, or, or four, we could say, four themes within our moment-to-moment experience where it's tremendously helpful to bring our mindfulness in the cause of untangling the tangle (laughs) for particularly helpful dimensions of our experience that when mindfulness is brought to them can quite powerfully it can quite powerfully unbind untangle the tangles that we find ourselves in and over the last couple of days, we've reflected at this time on the first of these ways of establishing mindfulness, which is mindfulness of the body. And just to repeat that we never leave mindfulness of the body as the arena for practice. We can explore each of these four ways of establishing mindfulness within the field of body sensations. Uh, the Buddha was very clear and explicit about that. And uh, these, uh, one way of seeing these four ways of establishing mindfulness uh, is not so much as a kind of hierarchy, but as an increasingly inclusive exploration of how our experience is shaped and conditioned moment by moment. And the second of these ways of establishing mindfulness is is tremendously revealing about that, tremendously helpful theme to tune into. And uh, some of you will be familiar with this term, Vedana, V-E-D-A-N-A, which can be translated as as feeling tone. Um, Not to be confused with feeling as emotion, yeah, this is actually Vedana is a much more kind of basic, primary, immediate uh, experience of sense contact, any sense contact, as pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Is how the Sutta describes it. We could say more neutral, right? So this is the, um, uh, se- the sense that, it, that in each of our six senses, so in Buddhist psychology, the mind is treated as another sense organ. So that thoughts are to the mind what objects are to the eyes or sounds are to the ears. D- does that make sense? So thoughts or moods or mental images, this is... It just turns out to be such a skillful way of seeing the mind as another sense organ, sense arena, yeah? And our six senses present to us all of our experience, don't they? The Buddha described the six senses as being the all. All that we ever experience comes to us through our six senses. And this... does that make sense? Can you get that? And, and just to kind of reflect that every sense experience we've ever had in each of these six senses comes in one of three flavors. Pleasant, unpleasant, or neither. 
sometimes maybe very pleasant, sometimes just faintly pleasant, sometimes very unpleasant, and sometimes just mildly unpleasant, and, and much of our experience really quite neutral. Yeah, if, if in any moment you can sense just, actually the majority of our experience is probably pretty neutral. How are your earlobes doing just now? You know? Yeah. Are you excited by the color of the ceiling? No. You know? There's a, there's, there's a lot that's, uh, uh, you know, the kind of, as Christina calls it, the neutral zone. <laughs> there's a lot of neutral zone around, particularly on, on retreat, and we'll kind of explore why. And it, it's it's helpful to see that this is, this is very immediate. This isn't a kind of judgment. It's not like, hmm, is this pleasant or unpleasant? It's more kind of, well, the Buddha describes it as co-arising with the sense contact. Yeah, That there's this immediate sense of pleasant, unpleasant, neither, which is, which is different from the sensation, the actual contact. So, you know, one common way of, of exploring this, if you just kind of stroke the back of one of your hands with a finger from the other, just kind of gently stroking your hand, and maybe we can discern, okay, there's the sensation of contact here, but there's also just a quiet kind of pleasantness to that. Can you feel that? It's the kind of tone of it, quiet kind of pleasantness that is is kind of present with, but also slightly distinct from the actual sensation of contact. And if we now kind of pinch the skin of the back of the hand, you know, you can feel, okay, there's probably a a kind of quiet unpleasantness to that, that is distinct from, though kind of intimately infusing the sensation. Does that make sense? Can you you sense that? Um, And we, we can see how uh, the, the Vedana, this feeling tone, is conditioned in the moment. It's conditioned in the moment by, particularly, by perception. So if you think of the sound of the bell, okay, uh, there may well have been moments during the retreat so far when you hear the bell at the end of the sitting and say, oh, thank goodness, you know relief to hear the sound of the bell, meaning the end of the sitting. There may also have been sittings where, you know, you felt kind of, oh, I'm just kind of really resting in, this is peaceful. And then the bell goes, I kind of, I was just getting it together, you know. Uh, And to see that the bell, the sound of the bell could be pleasant or somewhat unpleasant, depending on the perception in the moment. Does, Does that make sense? So we see that Vedana doesn't kind of belong to objects. It's, it, it, it's a quality of the experience of the moment. You know, if you think of the first slice of lemon polenta cake, probably quite pleasant, you know. The fifth slice, you know, not speaking from personal experience, but we can probably <laughs> imagine that the fifth slice, the Vedana might be f- a bit different, you know. And so that kind of highlights, okay, this is conditioned in the moment by perception, which is very much, of course, shaped by 
body as well, as Christina was saying yesterday. So, so this sense of, of, you know, the changeability of Vedana, you know, the breath, changeable Vedana, right? You know, or the thought of being here. Just notice that, you know, in certain moods, the thought of being here may feel like, oh gosh, this has got a kind of weight to it that feels, there's a, Time feels like it's going so slowly, you know. At other times, there's, when the mind's more open or enjoying in contact with what's nourishing, oh, the peace of being here, you know. So, so to kind of notice that, that uh, Vedana is changeable, very, very changeable. The Buddha compared it, in fact, to being like raindrops on water. You know, we're, we're experiencing Vedana in each of our six sense domains moment by moment and changing and flickering like raindrops on water. Can you feel that even as you sit here now? Just body sensations kind of flickering, you know, with different moments of of Vedana, of of pleasantness or unpleasantness or neutrality. You know, even, even the experience of pain in the body, we can notice that there's a, there's a flickering changeability to the Vedana of it, moment by moment, which is conditioned by many different factors of mind. When we first hear about this, um, it can seem, wow, that's a bit subtle, you know. Uh, Okay, I've been experiencing this all my life, (laughs) and somehow I've got by without knowing about it. Why, Why do we need to pay attention to this? Why does the Buddha make a whole kind of quarter of the Satipatthana map uh, focus on this. Well, this is the place, according to the Buddha's mapping, this is the place where dukkha, so distress or unsatisfactoriness, discontent, either begins or ends. And the Sutta, the Buddha sometimes says that Vedana rules consciousness. And, you know, as we begin to investigate this, we we can see that the Vedana itself is not a a problem, if you like. The, The problem is what gets kicked off in reaction to Vedana. So what do we do with pleasant Vedana? Well, pursuit, don't we? Kind of chasing it. I have the kind of, you taste the lemon polenta cake and you're thinking, well, this is really good. How could I get the recipe? Oh, I'm going to make that for this occasion in the future, you know. And we're kind of looking at how can we accumulate more, you know. How can I intensify the pleasant or extend the pleasant or plan for the pleasant, you know. What do we do with the unpleasant? Well, we do the opposite, don't we? We get really busy trying to get rid of it in some way. You know, trying to push it away, trying to... Often what we, we do with the unpleasant is we, we start ruminating about it, don't we? You know, an unpleasant memory comes up as we're sitting. So easy to start the kind of rumination mill starts. You know, I start thinking about it. Oh, why did that happen? What does that mean? What does this mean about me? What does it mean about my future? And one of the ways of 
yes, you know, that cognitive science understands rumination is, is as a kind of an avoidance mechanism. I'm trying to kind of think my way out of that painful memory. You know, that's the, the kind of wisdom behind what Jaya quoted yesterday, Jack Cornfield's phrase about giving up all hope of, of having a better past, you know, because actually the rumination is kind of trying to, trying to have a better past, if you like, trying to neutralize the unpleasantness of that, the Vedana of that memory. And, and this has a really integral place in, in contemporary mindfulness approaches. Um, you know, when, when, uh, Mark Williams, John Teasdale, Zendel Siegel developed mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. They were really interested in what is the moment of depressive relapse. What's what's the moment where, if we've had an experience of depression and and there's a vulnerability to depression, we can kind of slide back into it. Uh, and what they kind of discovered was, as they put it, it's about cognitive reactivity to the unpleasantness of ordinary low mood. So if I've had this kind of painful experience of depression in the past, and I may be kind of in remission from it, or, you know, it's no longer around, you know, I wake up some morning and the body just feels a bit cranky and my mood is a bit low. So easy in reaction to the unpleasantness, to start, oh God, here I am, back in this place again. Nothing I've tried has worked. What does this mean about me? What does it mean about my future? And we kind of go into the the downward vortex of depressive rumination. Can we sense that? feels like such a helpful insight about the way in which we react to the unpleasantness of, of moods or thoughts. You know, anxiety. It's the unpleasantness of that fantasy of the future, that idea about the future or the mental image. Me imagining the public speaking situation, just to kind of <laughs> use the example from last night. And so easy just to get there's a kind of reactivity to the unpleasantness of that and the thinking clocks in trying to kind of neutralize that. So the, this is the kind of hypothesis that it's reactivity to Vedana that is the genesis of the genesis point of our tangles of distress. Can we feel that? Our tangles of you know, all the kind of reactivity mechanisms in body and mind that can kick in dissociation, rumination, you know. Uh, Well, I always think of the, the Roman writer Marcus Aurelius who said, we dance like puppets on the strings of our impulses. It's a pretty entangling thing to do, isn't it, you know. And we can see just how easily the reactivity, once we're kind of in a reactive, you know, I'm reacting to body sensations or reacting to mental images or to thoughts or to moods, it it kind of shifts from one object to another, doesn't it? You know, it it it's how I go from not having slept well, waking up and just feeling a bit 
cranky to having a bad day, isn't it? You know, because there's reactivity to the unpleasantness of the body, having not slept well, and then that kind of reactivity transfers to, you know, this, that, and the other during the day. Again, I hope it's not just to me that this happens. Do we, do we recognize this? Yeah. Yeah. And, and really, you know, helpful to see that, and this is something that, that they really explore in mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, that the degree, that the reactivity and the, the Vedana feed each other. The Buddha, as the Buddha puts it, they lean on each other. They, they depend, they co-arise dependent on each other. So the more I'm hating being in the traffic jam, the more unpleasant the experience becomes. Can we feel that? They kind of ra- ramp each other up. Yeah? Or the, the more reactive I am to that body sensation of unpleasantness, you know, and I'm getting busy kind of expecting the hospital visit and what does this mean about me, you know, and, and it kind of just ramps up the unpleasantness of it. And this is really helpful to see, isn't it? Really helpful to see. Because we start to, to discern, oh, maybe there are some options here. You know, maybe the, there are some choices here. That there's a, a quotation attributed to Viktor Frankl where he said, between stimulus and reaction, there is a space. In that space lies our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Can, can we feel that kind of we're almost kind of decompressing the space between the Vedana and the reaction. We're bringing mindfulness into the space or into the, the process to be, you know, the process of, of Vedana and reactivity kicking in. And it, bringing mindfulness there kind of decompresses the kind of automatic nature of it that can feel like in a moment I go from hearing my father say that to getting angry, you know? And it's like if I can bring mindfulness just to the, that kind of the unpleasantness of, of what I'm hearing there and just feel my feet and take a breath, it kind of decompresses the automaticity of the getting angry sometimes, yeah? C- can we feel that? And this is really why the Buddha says, you know, pay attention, really pay attention to Vedana. And this is how we, in a sense, at a, at a more subtle and powerful level, come out of autopilot. You know, we know in week one, the raisin can trigger just seeing this little, little raisin in in a hand at the beginning of an MBSR or MBCT course, people can have their reactivity, can't they? You know, and or what gets triggered are memories. You know, because this is part of the way in which reactivity works. It often kind of scans in a moment, scans for previous similar experiences of Vedana and and kind of draws in a memory or a historic reaction to something. And uh, in a very real way, we could say that the 
the core intention of the Buddha's teachings of mindfulness. And the core intention of contemporary mindfulness-based approaches is, is absolutely unanimous, which is to progressively unlearn the patterns of reactivity that add distress, dissatisfaction, discontent to the inevitable changing dance of Vedana that every human being experiences in their lives, moment by moment, right? And, and Yuka's going to reflect on this some more tonight. But just to see that, okay, this is the kind of, if we're going to be really precise, this is what contemporary mindfulness-based approaches and the Buddha's teachings on mindfulness are, 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 are directed to. This unlearning of patterns of, we could say, optional reactivity that we add to the unavoidable difficulties and discomforts and delights of, of human life. We pursue the pleasant. We seek to avoid the unpleasant. What do we do with the neutral? Oh, we drift off. <laughs> yeah? And, and it's one of the kind of acclimatizations of coming on retreat is to acclimatize to a more kind of neutral zone where we start to appreciate the breath rather than just have a default reading of it as neutral and therefore not very interesting. <laughs> yeah? It's kind of sensitizes us to more subtle levels of experience rather than the usual kind of dramatic spikes of experience that we have more in daily life. Of course, we can have those here too, but uh, the conditions help to, to attune us, sensitize us to these more um, subtle movements of mind towards the pleasant, away from the unpleasant, and kind of d dissociating or disconnecting, desensitizing to the neutral. And often what we do, we desensitize the neutral and we go in search of something more pleasant don't we? Or indeed something more unpleasant. We can sometimes find weirdly that the mind kind of prefers to be with an unpleasant memory than with the neutrality of the breath. Have you noticed that? It's like kind of we're intensity junkies, aren't we? We kind of look for intensities and, and actually becoming mindful of that, really attuning to the neutral zone. We can find that it's, oh, this is the portal into peace. This is the portal into calm. This is the portal into collectedness uh, and the, the sweetness of, of equanimity, of friendly equanimity. We discover we can, can be with, you know, an unpleasant knee pain or feeling of tiredness in the body or a difficult thought, we can, we can be with that and breathe with that without being unhappy. Just allowing it. What Christina sometimes calls kind of practicing peaceful coexistence with it. You know? Or I can be with a pleasant taste of food or a pleasant experience in the sitting practice of, of mindfulness of breathing without getting busy planning for m more such events in the future, you know. Or I c can be with a more 
kind of neutral, quieter sense in body and mind without just zoning out. Can get interested in that, can appreciate that. Can discover the ha- that, that, as the Buddha put it, the, the highest happiness comes from this friendly equanimity rather than just from pursuit and avoidance of pleasure and pain. Can we taste that? Just the, the peace that comes from this being able to be with and breathe with the changing dance of Vedana moment by moment without the same old kind of pursuit and avoidance. So, so just a, a few kind of practical reflections. One, one is um, feel free to pick this up or not as, as suits you. It may be that, that this feels like, oh gosh, this is too much or I'm not quite ready to pick this up or right now just being with the body, the breathing, um, really fine to pick it up or not. Second, just to make clear that we're never going to catch every Vedana that's coming and going. I mean, good luck, but it's, it's changing so fast. So it's not that I've got to be mindful of every single Vedana in every six, each of the six cent stores in every moment, you know, not possible. You know. And, and also just to remember a sense of kindness around our patterns of reactivity, you know, because these these are often quite ingrained and so just kind of compassion in the midst of reactivities that arise uh, when we're here or you know, at any point in our lives. But it can just be helpful to, if it's of interest, if it feels kind of relevant and alive, just to start familiarizing ourselves with this experience of Vedana. Maybe that it is familiar to you already, in which case you might just like to kind of bring it to the foreground again and just be curious about it. You know, just as, as you sit and walk, just to, to notice, okay, the primary object, say, of the grounding or the breath, what's the Vedana of this in this moment? Oh, quite neutral, just maybe a little bit pleasant, you know. When you notice that the mind has wandered to something, just rather than kind of hurrying back, just kind of lingering and sensing, okay, what's the Vedana of this thought? Oh, unpleasant or, or pleasant, just to notice that, yeah, just to notice. We, we can actually generally to give attention to Vedana, to bring a friendly mindfulness to Vedana, will tend to have a calming effect, a kind of decompressing effect. However crazy the mind has become, you know, even if there's, we're in the middle of a thought storm, just to notice, to tune, oh, unpleasant, <laughs> unpleasant, breathe with that, because it's actually the unpleasantness that we're trying to get rid of, rather than the object, usually. Yeah, it's the Vedana we're reacting to more than to the object. And so just to bring that friendly, uh, mindful presence to that can be helpful. And 
a kind of relaxing of the relationship if we feel how reactivity contracts the body and contracts the mental space for very good evolutionary reasons, kind of primes them for action. And just to keep kind of relaxing with the pain in the knee or the back or the kind of unpleasant thoughts that may be passing through, kind of breathing with them rather than bracing against them. That kind of relaxing of the reactivity will tend to relax the sharpness of the Vedana tone. And as we've reflected over the last couple of days, just to cultivate an enjoyment of the pleasant, we can also feel how kind of protective that is, how nourishing that is, how it tends to decondition some of the reactivity. You know, if, if, if I'm holding a difficult body sensation within a sense of enjoyment or appreciation or friendliness, we can feel that that will tend to quieten the unpleasantness of it. Or at least we can kind of try that out and see uh, whether that is the case. The Buddha once said, when these Vedana are fully understood, there is nothing more that a disciple of the Noble Ones needs to do. So, if you choose uh, a theme just to bring into your practice during this day. So let's, let's sit now for a while. Settling into the posture. Receiving the sensations of ground. Maybe a gentle inquiry as to Are these sensations in this moment predominantly pleasant or unpleasant or neutral? Maybe noticing what happens if we bring an appreciative awareness to these sensations. Do they change? Does the Vedana change in some way if we really appreciate and 
practice even enjoying the sensations of grounding. What about the sensations of the hands in this moment? Noticing the Vedana tones as you experience them moment by moment, flickering, changing. Predominantly pleasant or unpleasant or neither. (coughs) What happens if you bring a gentle friendliness and appreciation to the sensations of the hands in this moment. Do those sensations and their Vedana change in any way? What about the sensations of breathing? Could play with perception and for a a few moments deliberately perceive the breathing as boring. How does that shape or color the Vedana tones of breathing to perceive it as boring? What happens if you then deliberately appreciate the freshness of the in-breath, the sense of release on the out-breath? Deliberately perceive the breathing as pleasurable, nourishing, something to savor.
blissful even. How does that color or shape the Vedana tones of the experience of breathing and the willingness of the attention to stay with it? Letting your practice unfold in the light of this awareness.
I would also uh, encourage you to take this uh, contemplation of Vedana Town into the walking periods without turning it into a project. You know, it's not a new project for the day. Um, but as a background intention, as a doorway really of understanding, um, how, how, what moves us through this life? What moves the mind? What moves our choices? As you go into the walking period, of course, the bodies and you know we're interfacing with the world much more fully. I mean, our, all of our sense doors are operative. And as Chris says, you know, in the sounds and the sights and the smells and the touches, the taste, the thought, the sensations, we, we don't sit there kind of thinking about is that pleasant or unpleasant. We're already moving. We're already moving towards pleasant or we're already moving away and this becomes much more evident to us in the walking period you know in the city in the container of course is a little bit more um what's the word people don't follow every thought or impulse you know peer pressure accounts for a lot of it you know you have a thought of a cup of tea in the midst of a sitting period most people don't jump up to do that um but in a walking period it's quite different isn't it it's quite different a walking period. You know, here I don't have that container, that peer pressure. And you actually see the, the Vedna tone and the movement happening so fast, you know, towards something, away from something, towards the sight, you know, towards the sound. You know, happening so quickly that, that our world is actually being governed by those Vedna tones. And there's something, I think, quite, quite lovely and quite actually freeing about learning how to walk through the multiplicity of Vedana tones, you know, just as we learn to sit with the multiplicity of Vedana tones, without them actually gathering that extra layer of wanting and not wanting, movement towards, movement away from, and actually being appreciative of them fully. Um, with the walking practice, just a very simple, perhaps, piece of, of guidance around um, pace and around focus. You know, I feel that pace and focus really need to be responsive, actually, to the mood of the moment, rather than it being a standard. You know, I mean, there is no particular virtue, by the way, in the tortoise walk. Um, it, it's fine; it can be quite helpful. Um, it's not prescribed in the early teachings. It's, uh, you know practice some places, not practice other places. What is really helpful is to have your path and to stay within your path. That's really helpful. But the pace needs to be responsive. You know, when you begin your walking practice, you might take a moment to pause and just ask, you know, what's the state of mind just now? You know, if the mind feels very heavy, very dull, you know, and you walk really slowly, you'll probably just be walking in a trance. You know? So if the mind is very heavy, very dull, it's actually better to walk a little bit more quickly, slightly less than our normal speed, but a little bit more quickly. If you stop and you pause and you see, oh, the mind's quite agitated, it's quite busy, even though it's counterintuitive, slow down. That's actually what brings the mind into the body. And being aware that that mood can change a number of times in a walking period. So it's being attuned to that background climate of mind and responding to that, you know, does the energy need lifting? Does the energy need calming? 
Um, the, the focus is the same. It really needs to be responsive to mood. Again, if the mind feels quite contracted and heavy and dull, it's actually better to have, often to have a wider focus of attention. You know, the eyes receiving, the body touching, the ears receptive. So it's really kind of a whole body awareness, whole sensor awareness as you move, helping to kind of enliven the mind's heaviness. But if the mind is, is very agitated, busy, it's actually really good to get much more precise in our focus. What does it feel like for that foot to lift, to move, to touch? You know, to re- really have a sense of that, um, that changing landscape, that changing psychological landscape throughout a single walking period. Um, it's also, this is really an exercise in sustaining attention. You know, some people are really good at beginning things, you know, beginning lots of things in their life. You know, many people are good at beginnings. Some people are terrible at beginnings, you know. By the time I've had my cup of tea and rearranged my sock drawer, quite frankly, it's time for the next sitting, you know. Um, so it, it, it's really, you know, sensing that, that kind of, you know, that almost seamlessness that, was that seamless flow of practice from a sitting into a walking period. Middles, it's again, some people are great, you know, sustaining through. Some people might find middle of the walking period, you know, thought arises, well, enough of that, you know, done my bit, you know, got something more interesting to do, you know, I'm off, you know. What we do know in our life, in every single situation in our life, if we're not really good at middles, we don't get completions. So it, it's really learning again to walk through that those wavering moments, you know, that say, ah, oh, you know, I've lost interest or I've done enough. Ah, maybe stop still. And again, if the mind sometimes is very busy or it's feeling very compelled by something, stand for a bit. Just find that groundedness. So again, today we have groups, and if you weren't in a group yesterday, you will be in a group today. Um, and at this time, some of you have a group meeting, so if we could let those people please leave first, and if you could come to the group minus teacups, uh, you know, or any snacks, picnic baskets, you know, just, <laughs> just, just come straight there. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.